You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. Hello there, Reds fans. Welcome back to yet another thrill-packed edition of the Red Leg Nation Radio podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson, coming to you on demand from Red Leg Nation World Headquarters. Thanks for joining us again today. On the line with us today, fellow RedLegNation.com editor and our veteran leader, Bill Lack. You doing all right today, Bill? I'm just providing veteran leadership to the Red Leg Nation. Absolutely, as always. We're having uh, some technical difficulties I think we may have ironed out now, hopefully. Uh, but let's go ahead and jump into the Cincinnati Reds. What a you know, week and a half it's been. They've been terrible the last time we talked. They were just uh, been playing awful, and we were talking about whether or not they might lose 100 games. Now, all of a sudden, they've won nine games out of 11 and, you know, playing a little bit better anyway for what that's worth at this point. And they've been playing Pittsburgh for a lot of those, so take that with a grain of salt. But still, nine wins in 11 games. I didn't expect to see that in 2009. Uh, how are they doing it? What do you think about it? Well, I sent my check-in for playoff tickets today. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Um, seriously, I, you know, with the year we've had, we'll take any wins we can get. And, and we're seeing some things that, that I think are, are positives, you know, but I, we're going to know a lot more after the end of this road trip. Definitely. Of course, on the road trip coming up, we're at Atlanta, at Colorado, at uh, Chicago. And, and I, I'm with you. You know, there's a lot of things still to watch that give an idea who's going to contribute next year and uh, a couple names we're going to talk about tonight. The first of those, I think, that has been interesting in terms of finding out what we've got on our hands is that out of these nine wins in this recent streak, Homer Bailey has three of them. Uh, Homer's been pitching pretty well at it, and we're starting to see a glimpse, perhaps, of the Homer Bailey that you and I had always uh, hoped and thought would eventually we'd see. Uh, I know you and I have been pretty high on him for a while. Uh, what do you think about Homer all of a sudden? Well, uh, you know, I, I don't want the people to get too carried away because I, I think because of his age and his, you know, his youth, he's still going to struggle at times. And I don't know that he's turned any corner, but uh, you know, I think you can see the corner from where he is now if he hasn't turned it, but... You know he's he is what he is. I think I think they're starting to see uh, the guy that they hoped that he'd become when they drafted him in the first round a few years ago. And this is why we keep you around to be the veteran leader. You know, <laughs> I, I was here to explain about uh, how a lot of people, a lot of Reds fans, gave, were way too quick to give up on Homer Bailey. You know, and call him a bust. And and, I, and here I am prepared to be really way too quick to pull the trigger and uh, say that hey, hey, finally here he is. Uh, you're right, uh, but they're. They, signs that are very encouraging at this point. You know, he's, uh, you look at the game against the Dodgers here in the last week when he went eight innings, uh, didn't give up a run, seven hits, struck out seven, walked only one. I mean, that was as good a game as uh, we've seen out of Homer. And what I thought was interesting was in that eighth inning, the last batter was uh, Casey Blake and Bailey, after convincing Dusty Baker uh, to allow him to stay in the game, struck out Casey Blake. And I believe the Radar gun caught that last strike at 97 miles an hour, and that's to end the eighth inning. Uh, that's some serious gas. Yeah, that's that's bringing the cheese right up there. You know, I, the people yeah. that that were all in favor of, of trading Homer for darn near anything over the winter. This is why some of us were were, were saying we we sure hope they don't do that. You know, I, I, I'd rather have Homer Bailey at this point in his career than Jermaine Die at this point in his. Absolutely, and that's not that's not a you know knock on Jermaine Dye, who's a, a nice player and would have helped the Reds this year probably. But you know, if, if Homer Bailey continues to improve, he's got a chance of being a really good, uh, really uh, good player for the Reds for quite some time. And I don't think it's 
I, I agree with you. I just don't think that's something the Reds should very lightly uh, give up on. Now, after that, starting with the Dodgers, there was an article about uh, with Homer, uh, in an interview with him. I think uh, Steve Trent Rosecrans had it on his uh, new website, cnady.com. And, uh, he said basically it's 100% mechanics that his velocities return. And he said he went down to the University of Texas and worked out with their pitching coach, a guy named Skip Johnson, who immediately basically thought there was something wrong in it with his delivery. And he Homer said, well, I don't have anything to lose. And after three pitches, his velocity was back. And now he's throwing mid to high 90s again. And, you know, it's incredible. Uh, what, what's the, and then let me go ahead and mention this, and I'll let you make a comment. Also earlier this year, he started throwing that split-finger fastball, talked to him not by a Reds pitching coach, but by Justin Lair, uh, who's doing pretty well his own right up for the Reds right now. Well, what do you make of all that? Well, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is, let's remember, this isn't the first time this has happened. Todd Coffey had the same complaints when he was here. Um, that you know that he wasn't getting any better with the Reds coaching, and, and he thought he and he talked to I forget who it was, his dad or something, something like that, yeah. Who, who helped him a little bit, and now he went to Milwaukee, and he's had a, he's had a pretty daggone good season after the Reds gave up on him last year. But he also said that when he went to Milwaukee, and I can't remember exactly which pitch it was. Now I think it was either a two seamer or a four seamer that he started throwing when he got to Milwaukee. They said the Reds wouldn't allow him to throw; uh, they wouldn't use that pitch, and he went to Milwaukee, and it's been his most effective pitch. Sort of same with Homer. They wouldn't let him throw the split finger fastball, and he just decided he was going to do it, you know, because his career was uh, searched on the drain a little bit, and boom, uh, it immediately, uh, immediate improvement. I don't know what to think of all this. Well, it makes you think that the that the Reds don't know how to hire coaching talent. Uh, my argument, I mean, all year long, especially when the young guys have been on the mound for the Reds. They get in trouble, and, and they just seem to be allowed to lay out there and flop around on the mound and flounder. And it's you know Dick Pole doesn't get off of his big butt in the in the dugout and walk out there and check on him or or try to break the routine or anything. I mean, I, I can't figure out what this guy does other than maybe keep Dusty Baker company in the dugout. Well, and you have been mentioning that all year long that you feel like some of the young guys are allowed to flounder out there when maybe someone else come out and be calming them down. You know. Isn't it Dick Pohl's job to uh, detect that mechanical flaw? I'm already says 100% mechanical, that flaw in his delivery. It seems like that's Dick Pohl's job. And, you know, if, if, if Justin Lair and the University of Texas' pitching coach are, are having to help Homer, uh, and if, you know, Mario Soto's had to come in uh, several times to work with Edison Volquez and Johnny Cueto, I want to know why, you know, why these guys aren't uh, employed by the Reds, I guess. Why can't they get the best available uh, person for that job to clear that? Yeah, the only thing I will say in the Soto instance, though, is is the the Latin and language issues may have something to do with that in, in Paul's defense. He may relate better to to those those young men. Absolutely, and I, I can see that being the case. But on the other hand, they also uh, Soto's worked with him on the change of I mean, it's not just uh, communication type stuff. It's, right. Uh, it's specific, uh, you know, mechanical things. It uh, makes you wonder whether Soto can handle the job. I wouldn't mind having him in here pitching coach just based on a little, little that I know. But, uh, but you're right. I mean, to, to Dick Pohl's credit, that, that that's a big part of the reason why Soto came in to work with those guys. But still, I just, uh, I, I think it's a, a, a condemnation. I think it's a really, uh, bad, it looks bad on the Reds that Homer Bailey uh, had this flaw in his delivery, and no one in the minor leagues last year or this year. And no one with the major league red 
were able to detect that when a college fishing coach had a great college program, but still a college fishing coach picked it up picked up on it, you know, within minutes. Yeah, it, it it sure makes you wonder uh, what what the money where the mo- what the money and the coaching staff is being spent on. Yeah, I wonder. Um, just to move on just a little bit, you mentioned just we mentioned Justin Lair there a second ago. He's been pretty good here lately, hasn't he? With Cincinnati. Yeah, he has. Um, you know, I mean, he's he's not the the future of this team. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he was a, a number five starter for him maybe next year. Uh, depending on how some of the young guys come along. Uh, my question right now on, on the Reds pitching staff is, why is Johnny Cueto still pitching? Oh, amen. Uh, what yeah. What are the Reds gaining by having this kid out there after he's thrown, I think it's like 375 innings in the last 12 months or so. I'm, I'm making that number up facetiously. But he's thrown an incredible amount of innings in the last 12 months. And there is no reason in the world for him to be out there throwing right now. Well, what do you benefit? What's the gain to the Reds from having Quayle pitch right now? Yep. I can't think of a single thing that they, that they benefit, uh, a single way they benefit from having Quayle still out there and risking his arm. Uh, you know, maybe they won't lose 90 games, or maybe, you know, uh, but they're not going to the playoffs. They're not anywhere close. Um, and it just, I don't know. I, I'd rather have a healthy Johnny Quayle rested, ready to go in 2010 rather than him risking, uh, especially considering he just came off the disaster list. I, it doesn't make sense to me either. Rather than, than him laying on Kremchek's table getting his shoulder cut open. Exactly, exactly, as uh, we've seen with our poor old uh, Edison Volquez. Well, and I have been told, and I, 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 I cannot verify this anywhere, but I have been told that the Reds set an organizational record this year for arm and shoulder surgeries. Is that right? That's what I've been told. Play. Well, what, you know, there's a problem somewhere. Uh, you know, and, and and you know, I I you know I pay pretty close attention to the minor leagues, and it may just be luck or whatever, you know, because I think they've done a pretty good job in the minor leagues, keeping an eye on guys' innings and pitch counts and that kind of thing. Um, so you know, it may just be one of those those, those blips on, on the graph, but that is what I've been told is that they set a record this year. Yeah. Ugh. Well, the last thing that the Reds need is Johnny Cueto to be next on that list. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't know why they're fooling with that. On the subject of uh, pitching and uh, pitching coaches, etc., I wanted to mention a post that you had the other day that sort of shift gears a little bit. That I think a lot of people in the Red Lake Nation are uh, interested in this idea. St. Louis Post Dispatch, of course, reported that Dave Duncan, who's the pitching coach there, and has been for the last 14 years with the Cardinals, is considering leaving the team for personal reasons. Um, I think he's just uh, irritated with the Cardinals. You know, they traded away his son, and um, just I think they said that the organization, the Cardinals, there has created some sort of a pitching philosophy in the minors. That they really didn't get any, any input from him, which blows my mind because I don't know if there's a better pitching coach working today than Dave Duncan. But uh, you suggest, and some other people suggest that, hey, you know, we got a we got a general manager and an owner that come from uh, the Cardinals organization, and clearly they love all things Cardinal. Dave Duncan, uh, you know, there's a chance Dave Duncan coming over. Um, you, you posted it. Tell us your thoughts about that. You can't argue with the guy's success. I mean, I don't know much. I don't know much about him personally, or I don't. I couldn't even tell you what his philosophy is. But I can tell you, he's been successful darn near, if not everywhere he's been. And to me, that speaks for itself. Yeah, consistently he's been. 
Well, you look at a guy like Ryan Franklin when he was in Cincinnati. was just, uh, you know, a disaster. And he's, turned, he's not the best closer in the league, but he's turned into a you know, pretty good pitcher uh, there at the back of that bullpen for St. Louis. And then a guy like Kyle Loesch. You, know, you, you remember when Kyle Loesch was here, how frustrated we used to get. That some days he would just look like the best pitcher you've ever seen, and some days he was up and down like no pitcher I'd ever seen. Um, goes to St. Louis, and, of course, he's injured, I guess, but uh, Dave Duncan uh, worked, at, worked with him. He, he somehow found consistency and turned into a pretty doggone good pitcher. Um, you know, what do you think, Dave Duncan for manager? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, be better than what we got. <laughs> yeah, I don't know uh, in terms of his ability to manage. I don't know, but it's clear he, he, he as a pitching coach, he's something special. Um, you know, you think guys like him and uh, Leo Mazzoni are probably the two best pitching coaches I've ever seen. Um, and, uh, you know, who knows? Bob Castellini and Walt Jockley love uh, the you know, all things cardinal, as you put it. So, the only thing play. is, I mean, he's he he. There's two schools of thought here. One is why would he want to come to Cincinnati? Yeah. Um, and the other is he wouldn't even if he decided was interested, he wouldn't come cheap. And, That's true. You know, whether this organization is willing to put the kind of money into a coaching staff that it would take to bring him here is is a whole nother question. Yeah, I you know, I for what he's gonna cost, I'd be surprised to see him come over as a as a pitching coach. But if you're talking to manager, of course, if you're gonna bring him over as a manager, they'd have to eat part of Dusty Baker's large contract, but which they're not gonna do. Dusty Baker's gonna be the manager of this team next year, but at least to start the year. But um, you know, they've shown that they will spend money on a manager, I I guess. So well, they did one time. Now, whether that's a continuing philosophy or not, I think you know, I'm not ready to base a a philosophy on one instance. I guess we can't say they won't do it because they have done it before, but you're right. And, and frankly, spending all that money on a manager hasn't worked out so well. Well, and the other thing they, is if they, you know, let, let, let's, let's just, and, and there's no reason, I mean, we're just talking here because there's no reason to believe that Frank, that, that Duncan has any desire to be a manager, whether right. he would be interested. But if he did come here as a manager, then you still got to find a pitching coach. That's true. <laughs> wonder if uh, that. University of Texas uh, pitching coach, yeah, this is to be available. We'll take or Justin Lair. Yeah, he's already about 45 years old. It's about time for him to transition into a coaching career. Although, at his age, I think he's 31. But he did win, uh, I meant to mention earlier, we were talking about him, uh, most valuable pitcher in the International League in AAA this year. Justin Lair did. The Reds have had some minor league pitch, there's some minor league players who do very well in the, in the uh, year-end awards. Yeah. Uh, Rick Sweet, manager uh, Louisville. One manager of the year this year. Uh, Travis Wood, I believe, won the Carolina League Pitcher of the Year, and they had, I think, three guys on the on the All Star team down there. I think it was Wood, Frazier, and Francisco, I believe. Yeah. And then um, I think Serrano just won. Maybe it, it might have been a Midwest League Pitcher of the Week or something. But I can't remember. Yeah, that's what it was, I believe. I just read that uh, again. Some reason that popped up the other day or today, maybe it was. That's awesome. I post a comment maybe on that, that thread for you. What is that? Yeah, so, you know, there we always talk, try to talk about the things that you, the positives and the things that you have to look forward to and encouraging signs. There's some names in those minor leagues that, you know, give some honors and uh, for good reason, and hopefully it will help these Reds at one
He's got a broken wrist. I mean, no, he doesn't have. He's got a fractured wrist. I mean, no, he doesn't have a fractured wrist. His wrist hurts. His wrist hurts. Uh, let me say this before we go into the whole story, but. I'm sure his wrist really is bothering him, and I, you know, I mean, and, and he's playing through it. Well, and it says, and it pretty, says a lot about him that he's continuing, continuing to play. Exactly. You know, what's he gaining as well? You know, the wrist are out of it. Uh, it'd be easy to just sit on his can and, and uh, sit out. So there's no doubt that he's in pain, and, um, and so we're not uh, in, in that sense. Although Brandon Phillips is not my favorite player, or one, right? Uh, you know, he, he, he's being a gamer, and, and I, I appreciate that. But the whole way the story came out about this was just bizarre. Uh, you know, after uh, one of those Pirates games, Monday night game against the Pirates, he said, I'll just go ahead and quote him, little do people know, and they don't really pay attention to the details, I played through injury all year this year. I broke my thumb, and that's true, he really did break his thumb earlier. Uh, and right now I'm playing with a fractured wrist that people don't even know about. Did he break his thumb or did he just bust that, the, the, the nail on the thumb? Now, I think it was uh, it wasn't a you know clean break or anything. Mm. It wasn't like the tip of it. They, it oh yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, uh, it sounded pretty it sounded pretty painful to me. But he said I'm just here grinding it out and finishing the season. Now some of that may be a little that, maybe that's some of the issue that a lot of people have with Brandon Bills. Is that's a pretty self-serving statement. Way. Look at me, I'm I'm grinding it out. Although he is, there's no question. But you know I don't know why a lot of people wouldn't mention that. You know uh, Joey Votto, I don't think would come out and said that. Um, but then he says that the reason his wrist was fractured was because J.E.D. Martin, pitcher for the Nationals, uh, hit him with a pitch on August 15th. And Phillips said, I still think he hit me on purpose. I wrote his name inside my hat. He said he's going to get him back in some way. <laughs> well, and so that just adds to the uh, everything bizarre. Uh, everything around Brandon Phillips is bizarre. Then the next day, he, he sought out all the reporters to say um, <laughs> he said my wrist is not broken I didn't mean to say broken I know I didn't say broken I said fracture I didn't know fracture and broken meant the same thing my wrist feels like it's fractured yeah that right there last time I took an x-ray I said there's nothing broke broken and fractured are the same thing it feels like it's broken fractured or broken it's the same thing <laughs> but my wrist really does bother me <laughs> so I wish I could see the video of, of that because I don't really, it doesn't make any sense the way when you just read it, but. I mean, when you do that, you, the next, the first thing I think of is who's on first. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, Brandon Phillips. He well, is I'm, what he is. He is what he is. You know, people think that if you don't uh, say that he's the best player uh, on the red that you're putting him down. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of selective, uh, I don't know what the, it is the way selective evaluation of, of Phillips. You know, Phillips is average to slightly below average hitting wise for you know uh, first position. He's right around average for second baseman, and he's above average defensively. So you know he brings value to the Reds. Um, but is Brandon Phillips what people like to think Brandon Phillips is, and what Brandon Phillips thinks he is? I guess that makes sense. Do you know where I'm going with that? And what are your thoughts? Yeah. I and I think with the escalation of his contract, he, I think he is the best trade bait that this team has in the offseason. Now, I'm not, I agree 100%. I'm not sure what you do at shortstop, whether you'd live with Paul Yanish or whether you try to find a cheaper you know, veteran you know, to play out there. I don't know what the answer is there. 
But who on this team is going to bring someone that anybody would want that would bring something reasonable in return other than Brandon Phillips? I mean, the the, the Reds are willing to trade. They're not going to trade Joey Votto. They're not going to trade Jay Bruce. You know, I I think they could be convinced to trade Volquez, even though with his arm nobody's going to take him, or Cueto. But I don't think... Either I don't think Cueto brings the return that Brandon Phillips does. No, I agree. I think that Brandon Phillips, uh, his value now, com- you know, when you combine what his value is now, or at least his perceived value around the league, combined with the fact that he's not quite as good as everybody thinks he is, and he's about to get much more expensive over the next few years. I agree. I think that he, um, you know, could be a, someone that could bring some real value back to the Reds, and they might want to consider trading him. Mean, you and I have both been on record as saying that we think he should move to shortstop that increases his value as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, and, and by saying that, neither of uh, I don't want to speak for you, but I don't have a problem with Brandon Phillips being on this team. You know, I mean, he's not killing the team. We, we all get sick of the, the laziness and the hot dog and all that mess, but he's not hes not the problem with this team. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely true. But that, that said, you know, I, I think you're 100% correct. If you're looking to trade somebody that can bring something back, you know, could help this organization for the next three, four years. Brandon Phillips may be that guy. As a matter of fact, I can't think of anyone else even close to him on that list. So people that Reds might be willing to trade. Right. One of our frequent posters, Dan, he always talks about you know selling high and buying low. He t- and, and this is the prime example of that to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know. Uh, this this is this might be the high point for Phillips. You know, he's getting ready to. He's you know he's. he's going on the downside of his peak at years and, you know, defense goes first according to the studies and his defense is great. I don't have the first problem with his defense. Right, and that's not to say that he will go to, I mean, he might be one of those exceptions to the rule. True. But but you cannot bet on someone being an exception to the rule. Right. Yeah. You know, I think that might have been one, I, and I don't know this, but I think that might have been one of the reasons that they let Dunn walk. Is they they may have they may have felt that Dunn you know his peak was going to be very short and it, because of his you know the fact that that they from what you hear they didn't think he trained as hard as he should wasn't in the shape right. he could have been in that maybe his career would be shorter than it could have been you know I think you know the Reds hopefully are, are looking at it, it you know selling high and buying low you know they got Johnny Gomes for nothing. You know, and, and he's had a heck of a year for this ball club when they finally put him on the ball club. Right. Uh, yeah, we complained about that one for months. We're not, we, won't, we won't revisit that right now. But, yeah, when you talk about buying high and, and or buying low and selling high, I think that uh, Brandon Phillips is an ideal candidate to possibly be moved, uh, not just shortstop, but to be moved to another organization if the right deal came along. We'll see what happens. I, you know, what I fully expect to happen is nothing. I expect him to be probably batting cleanup, playing second base next year again, which will mean we're in for another long run, I'm afraid. No, I don't think he'll be batting cleanup. You know, I think even if he's here, I, I think by next year, Roland's the, the, the cleanup hitter on this team. Possibility. Possibility. Uh, although, with Roland, um, you've got to be concerned with the fact that his power has really deteriorated over the last few years. I think he had a shoulder injury maybe cause some of that. He's still hitting fairly well, you know, and I don't have a problem with Scott Rowland. Um, I do have a problem with trade, but I don't have a problem with Scott Rowland on the, on the roster. Um, and, and actually, that brings me to something that uh, 
Unless you have anything else you need to say, I feel like you got to say about old Brandon. We'll leave that alone right now. No, I mean, you know, we, we, we beat on – I've made my feelings known on Brandon Phillips. I mean, he's a good player. Uh, I think he's, he's fun to watch in the field. He drives me crazy at the plate. He is what he is, you know, and, and you either – you know, he, he, he's not as divisive as, as Adam Dunn was. But if you why, read the discussion of, of, of Phillips on the blog the last few days, I mean, it's pretty daggone divided, and there's not a whole lot of people in the gray area. Yeah, it's been a little heated, no doubt. Um, I used to say, you know, I, I like Brandon Phillips, and, uh, you know, but that's what I always I like him, but, but I'm not sure how much I, you know, I do love watching him uh, defensively. I think he's fantastic, but I, I'm tired of some of the, some of the nonsense. But I've also got to watch myself. I, I used to complain a lot about how people always wanted to point out the things that Adam Dunn couldn't do and ignore the things he did very well. Mm-hmm. And maybe I need to watch what I'm doing with uh, with BP in the same sense because he does do some things well. Defensively, he's outstanding. Yes, uh, he is. And, and, and so, I have to admit, in my own personal case, I have an aversion to players that are overhyped. Exactly. It's it, it just it's a personal thing with me, and if the organization or the media is overhyping somebody, I tend to fall on the other on the other side of the coin. I was that way with Sean Casey. I liked him; he was a decent player. Probably, I'd love to have him for a next door neighbor, but I didn't want him as my second baseman. Right. Not I mean, my first my first did. baseman. I'm sorry. The idea of yeah, the idea of him as a second baseman is frightening. Oh. Yeah, you hit on something there that uh, has occurred to me many times, and I think that's part of the reason why you and I were fans of uh, Adam Dunn a little bit, because we felt like he didn't get as much credit as he deserved, and whereas Brandon Phillips may be overhyped a little bit over what he's earned. Not, and, again, I'm going to say he's not good at some things. Uh, people always want to you, you put Brandon Phillips down, people always want to uh, you know, jump all over you, which is bizarre. Um, or if you hype up Adam Dunn, they jump all over you. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, uh, nobody's listening to this podcast anyway, so I'm going to tell you what I'm planning on doing next time we have an off day. I'm just going to put up a post at Red Lake Nation, and just the, the headline's going to be Adam Dunn, and that's all I'm going to write in the, the subject of the post, just Adam Dunn, and see how mad people get. And see how many, and see how many comments you get. Yeah, a little sociology experience. <laughs> people go nuts, or, you know. You know, uh, in the Internet world, we call that trolling. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's fun to watch. And I'll just sit back and, and laugh at the, the vitriol uh, spewed out at me. In fact, I think the last, I think I put the last Adam Dunn post, and I think you posted that I was evil. <laughs> I know, I know. I know, because you, you post that, you know people are going to get irritated. But it's so divided. You know, half the people are going to be like, yeah, exactly. You know, you're so right. Adam Dunn, the greatest thing since sliced bread. And some are going to be like, you know, I'd rather have Juan Pierre than uh, I'd rather Willie Tavares than uh, have him done. Or, or the ones that, and and, and, I, and this part I do understand the ones that are that, that say he's not here anymore. Move on. And, and, exactly. and there's there is a lot there is a, a point to that. Yeah, yeah definitely. That, and yeah, that's that's a that's a convincing argument, frankly, at this point. I understand that why people think, come on, we got other players. Let's talk about them. Um, I just it, it's funny sometimes. I'm still not over the fact that Dunn's gone, though. I admit it. I, we need an Adam Dunn in a sombrero hat. A picture is what we need. If I was good enough in Photoshop, I'd do one. <laughs> I, I may have to. I mean, we may put that up with the uh, with that post next time we have an off day. But uh, anyway, let's quit talking about Adam Dunn. Can we get past that? Gosh, he's not here anymore. Yeah, <laughs> quit beating the dead horse. Um, 
How about Micah Owings quickly? Uh, you know, Owings it looks like they're transitioning to the bullpen to be some kind of a, I don't know, long man slash pinch hitter slash Ishmik top from a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, and there's been some kind of discussion uh, at Red Lake Nation about this. Uh, you know, what do you think? Uh, Owens has been serviceable in a five-star. He's not been great, but uh, been better than what we've seen the last couple of years. Um, he hits well. I don't know. I don't know what you do with a guy like that. I think this could be a chance to take care, make better use of his skills. Uh, you know, if they can figure out a way to get him warmed up quicker, because I think it was in the paper today that Baker was saying right now he has to give him an inning notice for him to get warm. Yeah, yeah. Marty Bremen, someone posted that. Marty Bremen's been talking about. It. I haven't heard Marty in the last few days. He said he's the slowest pitcher to get warmed up at the red half. And, and you know, and that isn't going to work. But if they can work around that, you know, the pitch. You know, the only thing is. If you know, if they're if they're counting on him out of the bullpen every day or every other day, can you use him as a pinch hitter? You know, in case you might need him out of the bullpen. I'm not sure whether the the, the hitting is taken is effective with him working out of the bullpen as it would be out of the rotation. Yeah, you think about a game like that San Diego game last year when Harang uh, came in and blew up blew the season up. But what did you get to a game like that? And that's precisely where you need a long man. Uh, you know, and you've used your pinch hitter or, or your long man as a pinch hitter earlier in the game. Yeah, it's, you know, that's why Dusty Baker's paid more than me. It'd be his job to figure out how to work that out. But, yeah, that's a tough call strategically when they, when they use it. Yeah. I don't know. I, frankly, I don't I don't care that much what they do with, with Micah Owens because I don't know what's best, uh, what, what his best role is. And, again, um, he's not going to make or break this team one way or the other. No, he's not. I, you know, I... He's a guy that I like having around, frankly. He's fun to watch hit. You know, I was at the game, uh, I guess when was, I guess in June when they played St. Louis. He had a home run to tie the game in the ninth inning as a pinch hitter. And, uh, I like watching Michael Owens play. I don't like watching him pitch because he's so slow and he throws too many balls. But, um, you know, he, he's not going to be the reason the team that make, does or doesn't make the playoffs next year. But it'll be interesting to see if they can figure out how to how to use him most effectively. I don't know. A lot of it's going to depend on, on some of these young guys, you know, and, and, and what they see out of them in spring training. Yeah. You know, the Maloney's and who knows who else, you know, with the, you know, uh, our, our guy Clinker could be in, in the, possibly, I guess, could be in the mix. I mean, who knows? Yeah, he's a. Um, he's, you know, Travis Wood has definitely got to be in the mix, you know, with the year he's had. That's the guy I was going to say, as well as he's done, especially since coming up to Triple A, he's got to at least get a, you know, a look in spring training. You know, they brought Johnny Cueto. He made the team out of, he was in Double A the previous year, so he made, uh, he made the team out of spring training last year. So, I guess the guys to look at, uh, I would have liked to see Wood uh, possibly get a call up here in September, maybe get a starter to a big league level just to see uh, what we've got. But they're down in Louisville trying to win the playoffs. I yeah, and I and I understand that, you know. The- those folks, you know, they just, in fact, uh, Woods, pardon me, is going tonight. Um, yeah. You know, the, I understand, you know, wanting to look at these guys, but I also understand as, as a season, as a partial season ticket holder for the Dayton Dragons, I understand these these fans that want to see their teams do well, too. You know, it, it's a tough trade off for the big league team, I would think. Well, I, I think, yeah, I think it's important to sort of take care of your affiliates a little bit, too. Uh, and don't, uh, you know, take, they could have called up every decent player they had to, for, you know, after the rosters expanded on September 1st. But I think it's important to treat the Louisville well and, you know, look, 
let them try to make a run, and, and it looks like they may have, I don't know, I don't even know if it's legal, but they're talking about uh, Jay Bruce and Ryan Hennigan going down there on a rehab assignment in the playoffs down there. So. Oh, they're, in, they're down there right now. They're starting to rehab assignments, I think, tonight. Oh, is that right? See, I hadn't heard that. I, I saw the talk of it, but I hadn't seen where they had officially been assigned. Yeah, no, I don't know how long they'll be down there or anything, but I'm looking at the at the Louisville stats right now, thinking about who might be a vet, you know, who they might look at next year. And we already talked about Maloney. You have to think they're going to look at Lacure and Jukic in the in the in spring training too. Both of them yeah. have got over a hundred innings at, at AAA. Yeah, I agree. So um, it's going to be well. There's a lot more uncertainty than I had hoped we would have going into 2010. Daryl Thompson's another guy that I mean, he's coming back from an arm problem, but if he's healthy in the spring, he's another guy that'll get a look. Yeah, yeah, he's had some. looks that good in comparison to who he replaced or whether he really looks that good, you know? <laughs> yeah, it could be. It might be that we're just, uh, he looks so much better because we're used to watching uh, Alex Gonzalez uh, stand out there shortstop and barely be able to move. Um, but to be honest, he's a gun. Uh, his range appears to be unbelievable. I've been really pleased with him. Well, and that's a, a point there, too, because, is, is, you know, Roland's no spring chicken. And he's not his range is not going to improve next year, right? So a shortstop that can cover more ground is is going to help this team, and it's going to help Scott Rowland. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and that's not to say that we expect Scott Rowland not to be a plus defender next year. I believe he's going to be an outstanding defensive player next year. But yeah, I mean your range is not going to be better as you get older, and, and having a guy that can cover that much ground. We talked last time about moving Brandon Phillips to shortstop. If they don't want to do that. I'm starting to think, well, you know, if we can get some offense somewhere, you know, some of these other positions, maybe we could hide uh, Giannis at short, uh, shortstop because his defense will, will help carry him. Uh, I, I'm convinced now that he can play uh, gold glove caliber defense at shortstop. It makes me wonder why Lord, he's not got to play any all year long. Uh, Was he on this team? Yeah. He, he really has been on the roster all year long. You didn't realize that? No. Yeah, I know. He, he disappeared for weeks at a time, but you sometimes catch a glimpse of him in the dugout. I thought maybe they sent him home, you know. Maybe he'd been a bad boy, and they said, you know, you go home for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think so. I, I think he I think he came in there with some of those Bobby Valentine uh, glasses and mustache one time, trying to convince Dusty was somebody else. He changed his name and he was the game. But uh, Dusty Baker was, well, until his hand was forced from Gonzalez being traded, he was not going to play Giannis. But the question is, 
if if they're not going to move Phillips, if that's not an option, and by all comments, actions, everything else from the Reds, it's not an option. Right. Then what is Frazier doing playing second base? Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, with Frazier's guy that possibly could be ready for the big league sometime next year. What are they doing? I mean, if you don't, and especially with Stubbs up here, then there's room in the outfield down at Louisville. Right. If, you, if he's not your outfielder, then you make room for him. At, you know, well, they got Francisco at third base. But, you know, put Francisco at first base, put Frazier at third, because Francisco is not going to, and I've said this on the blog a number of times, if you thought Edwin Encarnacion was bad defensively, wait till you see Juan Francisco. Oh, he, can get a load of he makes he makes double E look like Brooks Robinson. And, and I'm starting to think his bat might end up being good enough to where he could be a, a, a major league, uh, you know, fairly high caliber hitter in the major league. Well, yeah. uh, you know, I, I want to see more of him succeed at AAA than than just a Absolutely. month before I'm ready to say that. Absolutely. His 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 selectivity is non-existent at the plate. But I am coming around on him. I got to admit, um, you know. Yeah, you're right. Uh, he does need to, and I don't know if he'll ever learn to take a pitch or anything like that. But the, the other yeah. good thing, to, talking about one of our guys though, is said is Matt has told me he said Francisco always hits when I pitch. <laughs> he oh, said, really? He said good. he always hits when I pitch. Yeah, well, we definitely need to be uh, cheer, be cheered for Francisco if we go help out uh, Mr. Clinker. But uh, but what you were saying a moment ago about what are they thinking? Well, it's possible perhaps that they're thinking. Brandon Phillips on the trading block, like we were talking earlier. So, Maybe. Oh. And and Frazier, you know, I don't know that Frazier, he might be ready for spring training next year. I, I've been saying for a month that I think this guy's a definite major leaguer. Um, where he's going to play has always been the question, I guess. So, he can handle second base. If Pete Rose can handle third base, <laughs> true. Todd Frazier can handle second. That's true. <laughs> that is absolutely true. Um but, but, but going back to Drew Stubbs for a minute, um, he he, the little bit I've seen of him since he's come up to the big club, I think he's everything we thought he was going to be defensively. He struggled a little bit initially. Now we're still talking small sample sizes, offensively. But he the last few games he's really seemed to be coming around and he looks, he looks more comfortable to play that. Yeah, and I, I you know I think the power we're seeing is is just an anomaly, but. Right. But you know, if if he can hit two seventy, have a you know a three forty three fifty on base percentage, and, and hit with any power at all, and play incredible defense, put him in center field, put lead him off every day, and I'm thrilled to death. Absolutely. Yeah, I think if he could get that on base percentage somewhere around three forty three fifty, uh, with the way he's clearly going to play defense, um, I think this is a guy that is. Uh, yeah, I've come around on him too. He's a guy that I had lost uh, some hope in a couple of years ago. Um, and you've said since you saw him in Dayton that he makes it look easy out in the field. And now we're getting a chance to see that. It's really true. Yeah, he, he, he's 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 fun to watch defensively in center field. I mean, he's not Cesar Geronimo out there, but he doesn't have. I don't think he has that kind of arm. But but he makes balls that that, that look like they're headed into the gap, and he makes routine makes routine fly balls out of them. Yeah. A buddy of mine went to uh, a couple of games, I guess, at the Dodgers series there last weekend. And that's the first thing he said when he came home. He said, you watch this guy, and he goes and gets balls. It's just saying he has no chance of getting 
and he'll get them without diving or, uh, you know, uh, it, it was, he, he makes it look easy. Uh, so he's um, coming around on, on old Drew. He's done nothing but impressive since he's come up. Now, the power, I agree with you, is probably a fluke. He's taken, you know, about four home runs. I think he only had three in Triple A um, this season. But, on yeah, the other and, hand, and I don't know what the I don't know what the park factors are. The difference between Bat Stadium and, and, and Great American either. Yeah, and there's going to be some uh, that that's have some effect, you would think. But also, you wonder, you know, the guy had a lot of power in college, and he's never never been able to really translate to the big leagues because they kind of changed his swing a little bit um, to cut down on the strikeouts. And he mentioned something the other day about how his swing feel a little more like it was in college. I don't remember exactly how he put it, but. You know, maybe there's some hope that eventually he will have a little bit of pop in his back more than he's in the minor leagues. I don't think it's unreasonable to, to hope for that. So he could be a he could be a player fairly valuable over the next you know few years. Yeah, and he might you know he might force Dusty's hand on Tavares as well as he's playing. And that's exactly where we were going next. You know, we've got a new poll up at RedLakeNation.com. We'll talk about that in a moment. But our last poll we just closed it, and uh, the question was. Where will Willie Tavares be on opening day 2010? And the runaway winner uh, of that poll that you guys out there in Red Lake Nation voted for was 44% of you comfortably in center field and leading off for the Cincinnati Reds. That's, that's what I that's what I picked. Is that what you picked? No. Oh, really? Well, it's a secret ballot. I'm not going to ask you. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I apologize for that. The next, we had a tie, uh, really, for the next. Pretty much a tie, 19 percent. Although uh, the second one here was on the Reds roster, but not an everyday starter. That had uh, two more votes than the other one, which was that he would be on another major league team. And then with 10 percent of the vote, 10 percent of you said he would be out of baseball entirely. I don't know about that. And then 8 percent, the final choice was in the minor leagues. So um, you, you do or don't don't think he's going to be comfortably in the center field leading off for the Reds? No, I do not. Um, do you think he'll be with the team? No. In 2010? Interesting. I, I think they're going to put him as part of a package and, and, and move him in the offseason. Kind of force him on someone else. Yeah. Um, Let him be somebody else's burden. Well, I, I'm of a couple lines. I've been thinking for a while. I think that I believe he'll be starting in center field uh, on opening day. And uh, frankly, I'm, I'm sticking with that. If I had to bet right now, that's what I would bet. But things have happened in the meantime. He got hurt and uh, Drew Stubbs has at least started to show here that he's going to be capable of handling that job, we hope. And the other thing is just all the bad publicity and all the, you know, the Reds sort of got hammered over that deal. Signed, Walter Jockey signed Tavares for the two-year deal. So you're right. They may, they may think it's, it's, even just from a public relations standpoint, even if they think he's still a decent player, which clearly he's not, uh, they may have to cut bait on that one. You could be right. Uh, you're predicting your stuff to lead an off start in 2010? I'm not ready to go that far yet, but I like what I'm seeing. Yeah. All right, then. We're going to uh, bet a cheese coney on this one. Uh, <laughs> Put the Barris versus someone else. I'll give you the rest of the field on that one. Um, I, I'm, I'm convinced right now, similarly to Giannis, that Drew Stubbs can absolutely play defense in the major leagues and be one of the best defensive center fielders around. Uh, yeah, the question is going to be is that. And Dusty Baker, his center fielders have to lead off. That's like a rule. It's in the bylaws. Dusty Baker, when you hire Buzz, Dusty Baker, it's part of the contract. He's allowed to start the center fielder and lead him off. But if 
I'm worried whether we'll be able to get on base enough at least for the next year or two as he's getting acclimated to the pros. So, so who knows? We'll see. Maybe it'll be Dickerson in center field. Maybe it'll be, I don't know, maybe it'll be Eric Davis. There you go. Probably not. I, I, heard, you, I heard you were getting a tryout. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that they're, they've been calling him, but I've been kind of ignoring him because I'm still waiting for the you know, Yankees to call. Well, you don't want to take that pay cut from what you're getting now. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's <laughs> it. Right. Um, speaking of Eric Davis, though, quickly, you seen the Doug Harry's been with the Reds a few times this year. He looks like he could still play. <laughs> yeah, I saw him up. He was up in Dayton a couple, I think it was a couple of weeks ago when, when we had a game. And, and, uh, he does. I mean, he, he looks fit. He looks like he could still go up there and climb that center field wall and pull the ball back over the fence. Yeah, man, he was, that was a fun guy to watch. Uh, a fun guy to watch play. And that's another guy that I thought took some undue criticism during his time in Cincinnati. I thought was a little, a little harsher than he deserved. I thought he was a better player than everybody wanted to give him credit for. So. No, I don't think he was ever – I don't think Eric was ever criticized for how good he was. Yeah, it would be interesting. I think he was criticized for his inability to stay healthy, and, and I'm not convinced. And, and while that's not his fault, I have a hard time judging a player great when they never play more than a hundred. It seems that they never play more than 120 games in a year. Yeah, well, I agree with that, but that's something you add into the equation of how you evaluate how good they are. Is the fact that they only play 120 or 30 games, and certainly your value is not as much. But I just felt like. I thought like he was treated as if he was trying to get hurt rather than him get hurt doing things to help the team, you know. Um, I felt he just got a sort of a bad rap on that. Maybe I'm wrong, and, and you know, that's just sort of an outsider looking in, but I, I felt like uh, he didn't get the credit I felt like he deserved. But you're right. I, it certainly mitigates when you're considering how, how valuable he was. But. Yeah, and, and, and I don't think there's any doubt that he's another one of those Reds players that, that you say, you know, what if. Yeah. Another one of those. Again, we're kind of getting off track, but I don't know if you watched any of the Little League World Series recently. You know, but the team from Warner Robins, Georgia, was playing, and I just kind of had it on the background. I was doing something else, and that before the game, they were introducing the starting lineups or the, the player, all the players on the team, and they'll come on and say, I'm such and such, and my favorite player is, you know, X. And this team, Warner Robins, they're saying, someone's saying A Rod, someone we're saying, uh, Chipper Jones, and, you know, things like Brian McCann, a couple of them. And again, I just had it on the background, and I heard one guy say, I'm so-and-so, and my favorite player is Cal Daniels. And I did a double take, and I rewound it real quick, you know, on the Tebow. I said, did I, did I hear that correctly? Cal Daniels? He was one, He was my favorite Red for a short period of time. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I loved him uh, there when he was, uh, looked like he was going to be a star. You talk uh, about a guy that could stroke. Oh, gosh, yeah, I mean, a pure hitter. And, but it blew my mind to hear his name come up at the Little League World Series and that, with this group. Uh, this kid, you know, 12-year-old kid saying that their player is Cal Daniels. Now, it turns out Cal Daniels has run the baseball academy down there in Warner Robins. <laughs> he paid that kid to say his name. Probably, probably. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but anyway, his name popped up out of nowhere, and I thought, oh, there's a blast from the past. Uh, that's a guy that we all thought was going to be unbelievable. So, um, Current uh, poll. Got a new poll up now. Everybody go vote uh, at redlegnation.com. And the poll is it's sort of a this. Some of the other ones have been, you know, I don't know, divisive, but a little more serious questions about the Reds. Will it's a very speed? Where is he going to be? What do you think of the Scott Rowland Trey? Or you know, Dusty Baker going to be back uh, next year? This one's a little more light. And that's who's your favorite Reds broadcaster? Everybody got their own opinion about that. And uh, of course, Marty Brenneman, Chris Wells, Tom Brenneman, Jeff Brantley, and, and George Grant are the choices. 
And uh, I should have put probably Kel says, you know, Kel's the little last guy. I think he's the best of all of them. Well, I, don't know. I, I like Marty, but uh, still. But uh, Kel's come up to fill in somewhere lately. He's fantastic. Uh, did you get a chance to listen to him any? No, I really haven't. I don't. I don't get to listen. I don't listen too often on the radio. Yeah, well, he's he's good. He's a good chance. Uh, he might have been on TV once or twice. I don't know. But most of the radio and good job. But anyway, go vote. Um, and uh, that brings us to the post that you put up there today. And I'll I'll talk about it if you want. But uh, once if you don't mind talking about this, this post, uh, sort of a fun little. Uh, it's not really a poll. I don't guess it's a. Well, you want to talk about it. Well, it was just—it was in a Wall Street Journal. I, don't, I think it was today's, and and I I I found it on Lance McAllister's website, and they uh, they they talk about the fastest talking play-by-play men in baseball, and and uh, the the fastest guy in baseball is this Dan McLaughlin for the Cardinals at at one hundred and nine point nine words every minute, and then they, you know they talk about next, and then they say. <laughs> Apparently, announcers for bad teams feel an urge to fill dead air because they said the number. The second one was was Bob Carpenter, and number three was our own George Grand at 102.1 words per minute. Wow! You know, and we all make fun of George, and him on the air kind of absolutely sends me over the edge at times. But. And I, th- I may have talked about this in the past, but Linda and I, my wife and I, had a, had the opportunity to go into the TV booth this season. Chris Welsh invited us up. And George Grand is a very, 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 very nice man. Him and Jesse Jackson and Chris were very, very kind to us when we were in the booth. They turned the lights on during a break so we could take some pictures. It was just a fun few minutes that we got to spend. We were probably up there, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 minutes. And we were treated very nicely, and George is as nice as he can be. So when I get on George, it's it's in good fun. I respect his years in baseball. Um, there are other announcers I like better, but he was he's such a nice man, and yeah, and, I and people need to know that. I don't think anyone would be surprised to hear that because he does seem genuinely nice, and we do we poke fun at him, um, and and I'm sort of the same way. He's not my favorite. Plus, he gets to talk about Adam Dunn, so he has a lot to talk about. <laughs> I couldn't resist. It was it was right out there, you know. I had to hit that one. It was that was too easy. Can't Bob Car- Carpenter just leave that alone? <laughs> Quit beating that dead horse. Oh mercy! All right, that's a good one. Um, anything else about the Reds you want to mention before we? Uh, before we sign off here, one one thing that I want to, I, I, I think we need to wish the Dayton Dragons good luck. They're a half a game out of the playoff race, with I think like four or five left to play, to 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 get a playoff spot for the second half of the year. That'd be a nice thing for the fans up in Dayton. And we want to wish the Louisville Bats good luck in the playoffs. Absolutely. And you know, it's always fun to see that success with my league guys. One of these days, I'm hoping to translate. But I'm with you. Good luck to all the young guys we got playing. Uh, hopefully in the playoffs uh, 
and uh, public plane for a long time still with those organizations. Uh, anything else? That's all I got, man. Who, uh, who'd you pick in the first round of the uh, fantasy football draft? Who did I pick? Um, I don't remember. See here, well, I pulled it up. We're in a league together. It's my first year. Playing. Oh, the, the um, from from Air, or from Carolina. Angelo Williams. That's who I picked. That's right. Yeah. Well, he and, and I was the number four pick in our draft, I think. Yeah. I think and so. I've been in. We've been. We were trying to figure out how long we've been running this league, and it's like twelve or thirteen years. And this is the first time I've ever even been in the top half. Really? Sounds like a conspiracy to me. I well. Uh, we need to talk to the uh, to the guy that runs the league, you know? That's right. Well, you guys have invited me to join this year, and I've had a pretty good time with it, although I, I just, I'm not, uh, first time I've ever played, so I didn't really know, I don't know, I did a little bit of research, but I, I don't understand all the intricacies of fantasy football yet. Yeah, but we I, like your money. Yeah, exactly, that's what I figured. You know, I, I told, that's what I told everybody, like, I'll, I'll pay my dues here, and I'll finish last if I need to be. But I was the first person to, that didn't pick a running back, uh, the first round. I was the number seven pick, and I took Larry Fitzgerald, wide receiver out of Arizona. So, um, are you satisfied with your team? Yeah, pretty much. I, you know, I got a, I, I, I've got one change I want to make in the first, in the first, uh, yeah, waiver period if I can, you know, when I can, if the, you know, but overall, yeah, but you always are after the draft. Right. Uh, you, you beat me in certainly one category. You have one Bengal, and I don't have any. In fact, okay. I I broke the I broke the Bengal uh, right. line, yeah, and I was the fir- I took the first Bengal drafted in our draft, and it was uh-huh. and it killed me. Believe me, and and as you know, I run a Bengals list on the end, you know, a listserv list. Right. And I try to stay away from Bengals and fantasy football. It just it, it just kills me, and and I had to and the guy I picked is Chad, and I won't even right. say his last name because it's too moronic. <laughs> but come on, man. Uh, it killed me. It just, it just absolutely killed me. Yeah. Um, you've been watching this Hard Knocks series, by the way. Absolutely. Been watching it. I, I've, I've been watching Hard Knocks ever since it's been on. See, I, I've, I've, watched, I've seen every season. I didn't watch it until this year, and you know, the Bengals were on, so I thought, you know what, I'll check it out, and it has been fascinating. That is an entertaining show, and I've actually started liking. Uh, Chad, whatever his last name is, a little more actually after watching that for some reason. I don't know if he abuses me. So. Yeah, they, they did it. Uh, uh, there have been a number of interesting years. Uh, uh, they did Jacksonville one year. They did it, or no, they did uh, Kansas City one year. They did Baltimore one year. They did Dallas twice. Yeah. Um, I, I have to admit, though, is, is a long, and I, I went to my first Bengal game in 1968 at Nippert Stadium. So, I mean, I've been a Bengals fan for a long time, and I have to admit, I was flabbergasted when when Mike Brown, better known on the Bengals list as Son of Paul, um, agreed to, to allow this kind of access to yeah. to NFL Films and HBO for, from the Bengals front office. I, I was flabbergasted. And, uh, well, and in retrospect, probably not the wisest decision from his point of view, because he, he's shown everybody, you know, Incompetent, he is frankly. I would tell you that he would probably disagree with you. No, oh, probably, and that's true. Probably, yeah. He's probably uh, the self awareness is certainly not there. Um, and and, and you know what? You can say what you want about the Bengals, but they're fa- the Brown family that owns the Bengals make millions and millions and millions of dollars every year. Mm-hmm. 
you just it, all you had to do though was watch that first or second episode, whichever one it was, where he was talking about gosh, I'm like moving someone to moving a defensive end to tight end. Right. Yeah. And I'm, and and it was so clear. Everyone else in the room was like, oh, how do I? How do we get out of this without you know hurting the boss's feelings? It was it, it was just it was cringeworthy. So, all right. Well, we talked about fantasy football and the NFL, the Bengals. We talked about. Uh, I think this was exhausted read the topic. Let's sign off. How about that? Yeah, I think people have probably turned us off by now. Yeah, if anybody's still available out there, uh, you know. <laughs> Send up a flyer. That's right, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, thanks a lot for joining us again today, Bill. I'm happy to do it. All right, well, that'll, we'll wrap up this uh, week's edition of the Red Lake Nation Radio podcast. As always, any comments, concerns, suggestions, those go to radio at redlegnation.com. Once again, radio at redlegnation.com. Thanks to those of you that have uh, been emailing. Um, go subscribe via iTunes. Uh, check out the RN Radio tab at the top of redlegnation.com. And, you know, as always, thank you guys for joining us, uh, all you loyal citizens of Red Lake Nation. For Bill Lashley, this is Chad Dawson saying so long. <laughs>